I'm Donica Contour, and this is Naptime Devotionals, Episode 3, Rend That Veil of Unbelief, studying Ether, Chapters 1 through 5. Welcome to Naptime Devotionals, a Come Follow Me study for busy moms. I'm Donica Contour, your host. I'm a mom of four kids, wife of a high school theater teacher, and my favorite show to binge watch is Murder, She Wrote. Alrighty, the littles are down for naps. Well... The littlest one is down for naps. The other two are watching Curious George. So we'll see how long they leave me alone. Um, I wanted to start off by reading a quotation from the talk that Come Follow Me recommends reading. Revelation for the Church, Revelation for Our Lives um, by President Russell M. Nelson. And it was given in the April 2018 general conference. I'm working really hard to not say um every four seconds, but I'm probably still going to do it. So sorry. And I I apologize now. (laughs) He says, pray in the name of Jesus Christ about your concerns, your fears, your weaknesses. Yes. The very longings of your heart. And then listen. I felt like that was a really good quotation to kind of sum up what we've studied in Ether chapters one through five. Um, This is, I was telling my husband the other night, like maybe I am going to have to talk a little bit about what happens in the scripture stories, even though that was originally not my intention, but we'll see. Um, Just because it's, I feel like it's necessary to talk about the story itself, even though I don't have to give you like the whole background. I can just say, These are the Brother of Jared chapters, and I feel like most people are going to know what I'm talking about. Um, If you don't, read them, and then you'll know. (laughs) So what do we learn about um, Christ and Heavenly Father from these chapters? Their their natures, their characters. Um, And I think the thing that we learn most is they want so much to speak to us but they're not going to do it if we're not going to listen. Right? Like I always, anytime I'm parenting my own children, I look at heavenly father and I'm like, okay, he is a perfect parent. He is a perfect father. We literally call him heavenly father. Right? So I should take my parenting tips from him And, um, sometimes I wish I had the power to bring on plagues and storms of locusts, but you know, what are you going to do? Um, but the one thing I've learned is he always wants to guide us. He always wants to show us, you know, where to go and, um, how to get there. And he wants to be the guiding hand in our lives, but he is not going to force his hand on our life, if that makes sense. Um, Agency is incredibly important to him and he's not going to force his way in because he could. We all know he is all powerful. He totally could, Um, but that defeats the point, right? That defeats the purpose of the plan, which is we come here and we have to choose to follow him. Um, In uh, chapter one, verses 35 and 37, in both of those cases, um, it says he has compassion on his people, right? He has compassion when Jared talks to his brother and is like, Hey, you know, 
all this crazy stuff is happening, can you ask Heavenly Father not to confound us? Like, we still want to be able to talk to each other. And it says the Lord had compassion upon Jared, right? And then in 37, he comes to him, the brother of Jared comes again and is like, hey, could you also not confound our brothers, our, our family and our friends? And the Lord has compassion upon the family and friends and does not confound them either. And so he wants very much um, to guide them. Um, he sees us. Uh, let's see. Here we go. So in verses one or in chapter one, verses 42 and 43, we learn like he meets us where we are. I think a lot of the times we look at examples of like Moses having to climb um the mountain to go you know converse with with the father we look at that and think oh man i have to climb this mountain in order to go talk to god and we don't right he he will meet us where we are we look at joseph smith who was in his backyard essentially and this little grove of trees and he's a 14 year old boy with a prayer and a question and heavenly father met him where he was um, not to say that he doesn't ask us to act in faith. We still need to, right? Joseph, st- Joseph Smith still needed to go into those woods and pray aloud, which he says is the, f- it's the first time in his life he'd ever prayed aloud. Um, and that's that, you know, we obviously know that the first vision is what came from that. And so we still are required to act, but he does meet us where we are. Um, he shows up for the brother of Jared and his family, he says, go down to the valley. I'll meet you there, right? There will I meet thee and I will go before thee into the land and I will bless thee, right? He's going to go ahead of them and make sure that the path is prepared. Okay. He can take us places that no one else has gone before because he is all knowing and he can create a path provided we're willing to follow it. Um, that's essentially like, that's the thing that I kept coming up against is if we let him, he will guide us continually. Uh, let's see here. The other thing I thought was, I really loved this. So we all know the story of the barges, right? Um, we all know the story and I really loved, and I don't know why it never clicked before this time reading it. I don't know if I just was studying a little bit better or what it was, but Christ answers all of the brother of Jared's questions, right? The brother of Jared comes and he says, look, uh, we don't have any light, right? He goes, there is no light. Whither shall we steer? This is chapter two, verse 19. We can't breathe. Therefore we shall perish, right? We're going to die. We can't, we don't have any light. So we don't know where we're going. We can't steer. And we don't have any air, so we can't, we're going to die because we can't breathe. So in verse 20, he addresses, Christ addresses the breathing part, because that's really the most important part, right? If you can't breathe, it doesn't matter how much light you have. It's not going to matter, right? So he says, make a hole in the top and the bottom. And when thou shalt suffer for air, thou shalt unstop the hole and receive air. And if it so be that water should come in upon thee, stop up the hole, right? So you don't, so you don't drown. So he answers the necessity first, 
right? He answers the question. He doesn't tell him, I don't know, you should try to probably figure that out. That's a good, that's a good point. You, you need to be able to breathe. He goes, here, here's what you do. Okay. I get that these, these things are built a little funky because I'm having you build them in this really strange way. So they're tight, like unto a dish. I don't know why that saying reminds me of my grandmother. I think she's, she's Chilean. So she does it. Her English sometimes comes out differently. And I think that it, the grammatical structure of that reminds me of that for some reason. Anyway. Um, so in chapter, or in, so chapter two, verse 20, he says, make holes, right? Put a hole at the top, put a hole at the bottom, put stoppers in it. When you need air, pull the one out of the top. If you get air, awesome. If it's water, stuff it up and you'll just have to wait a little bit. Um, and so then in verse 22, the brother of Jared comes back and says, there is no light, right? What, okay, we'll do the whole thing. That's going to be great. But we still don't have light. How are we going to cross this great water in darkness? So this part is the part that was just like a little mind-blowing for me for some reason this time around. He says, in, so this is Christ speaking in verses 24 and 25. I will bring you up again out of the depths of the sea for the winds have gone forth out of my mouth, and I and also the rains and the floods have I sent forth. I prepare you against these things. Therefore, what will ye do? What will ye that I should prepare for you that ye may have light? Because the brother of Jared, when he goes to him initially, he says, you know, why? What are we going to do? We don't have any light. We can't steer. And Christ says, you don't need to steer. Right? Like, I mean, how do, how the heck do you even steer one of these barges anyway? They're tight like unto a dish. You can't see where you're going. And so he's worried, like, how are we even, even going to get there? And Christ is like, don't worry about it. I will take care of that. But I also understand that you're going to want light when you're swallowed up in the depths of the sea. But I also need your boats to be to be this way, right? He goes, he goes through and tells them, look, I get you can't have windows because they'll break. Um, you can't have fire because <laughs> that's not going to work. Um, you know, like I get, I get why the net, the things that we think are the natural, logical ways to have light. I get why those aren't going to work. And this isn't really a necessity because I'm going to guide you. So you don't have to worry about being able to see so you can guide yourselves. I will take care of that. But I understand you don't want to be sitting in a dark boat for over a year. What would you have me do? And I think this is such a necessary and important part of understanding our relationship with Christ and with our relationship with our Heavenly Father is knowing that sometimes this is why prayers are not answered in the way that we think that they should be or in the, uh, in the timeline that we think that they should be because sometimes our prayers are necessities, right? Sometimes our prayers are things that are like our air. Like we need this answered right now. Otherwise we will perish. And I feel like at least for me, Heavenly Father is like, okay, well, here's your answer for this. This feels, I know this feels big and scary. Here's your answer for this. And then there's other things where I feel like it's a necessity, right? Like I, I need to be able to see Heavenly Father. And my answer is, well, you actually don't. You actually don't need to be able to see because I'm going to take care of that for you. But I understand you would still like to be able to see. So what, what do you propose? 
right? What, how, how do you propose that we do this? So sometimes our answer is, can you find a solution? Can you find something? Because Heavenly Father understands what incredible brains we have and the incredible problem-solving capabilities we have because he gave those things to us. And so um, it, I kind of feel like this is like when I'm teaching my daughter to read. Like my my oldest is six. Well, she will be in December. And she is learning to read right now. We're doing kindergarten at home. And there are some words. Um, today, the word was hunt. We were reading about Elsa and Anna going on a ghost hunt. And she was like, mom, I just can't get it. And I knew, I know she knows all of the sounds. There's no, there's no letters making weird noises here. There's no letters acting, you know, there's no silent E, you know, there's no rules she hasn't learned yet. She knows what all of those letters are. She knows what sounds all of those letters make and she can put it together, but it was frustrating her because she wasn't getting it on the first try. And I think sometimes that's how we are where Heavenly Father is so patient with us and is just like, it's okay. I know you will get this. You will get this, I promise, but you need to sort it out in your mind and then come to me with the solution that you come up with. Okay. Um, so what, I feel like the biggest, the, the, the essence, the meat and the potatoes of what we learn about Heavenly Father in Christ in these chapters is essentially that they want to talk to us. They want to guide us and they want us to learn along the way. Okay. Um, in terms of like what we learned about the plan of salvation from these chapters, I feel like one of the most necessary requirements for us is the ability to receive and follow directions, right? Um, that is, I don't know about you guys, that is a recurring theme in my life. Um, and I feel like so many times I've missed the opportunity for guidance simply because I forgot to ask for it, right? Um, the brother of Jared is chastened for failing to, Christ talks to him for like three hours. Um, he was, he's chastened for failing to call upon the name of the Lord. I think that is in chapter something. Just kidding. Um, I have it right here in chapter two, verse 14, um, chastened for not remembering to call upon the name of the Lord. So I think that's something that's important is, on the one hand, we don't need to be commanded in all things. And on the other hand, um, we still need to confide and rely on the Lord, right? And there's going to be some times where the answer is, it really doesn't matter, right? Like, do I wear the blue shirt or do I wear the green shirt? Heavenly Father's going to be like, it literally doesn't matter. Pick whatever shirt you want. Um, my husband kind of got an answer like that when he was praying about which school to go to, which college to go to. He was trying to decide between BYU-Hawaii and BYU-Idaho, which honestly, I don't even think that there's like, why would you even, you know, because Hawaii, obviously, <laughs> that's where we met. Um, but he was praying about it. You know, he wanted to make sure he was, he was making, he was going where Heavenly Father wanted him to go. And his answer was literally, they're both good. Pick whatever you want. Right. And so he picked Hawaii because again, why would you pick Idaho when you could have Hawaii? Especially he grew up in Idaho. So he's like, I know what's there. It's fine. Let's go to Hawaii. Um, and which is where he found me. So I'm glad, I'm glad he went to Hawaii. Um, so 
the whole the whole relationship, everything that we learn about Heavenly Father in Christ with the brother of Jared comes down to how revelation works in our lives, right? So the act of receiving revelation is an opportunity for us to exercise faith, right? Um, we receive revelation usually it's some kind of prompt to act. It's either to start doing something or to stop doing something. There's some kind of action required on our part, right? So we pray, we ask a question, or we pray for validation and saying, hey, I made this choice. I just want to make sure I'm doing the right things. And either it's we get we get some kind of answer of yes, go do that thing, or no, don't do that thing, um, whatever it is, right? We get something where there's action required on our part. And that's where the faith comes in. Do we act? Um, do we do the thing or don't do the thing, right? Do we follow whatever the revelation is? When we follow the revelation, we strengthen our personal faith in Heavenly Father and Christ, but we also increase their trust in us, right? So we create a relationship where they know they can ask us to do things because we'll do them. They're like, oh yeah, I can ask Donica to go drop off cookies at her neighbor's house. I can give her that prompting because I know that she'll do it. Not while I'm pregnant, I won't, um, but I, I will usually try. But that's right. That's the example. Okay. So when we follow through, we build this relationship with our Heavenly Father and with um, our Savior. And the brother of Jared had built such a strong relationship that by the time he brings those stones to Christ and Christ touches them with his finger, right, and makes them light up, his bond is so strong. He has been able to rend, right? He's been able to rend the veil of unbelief. That it's, it's not there anymore. He's able to see straight through it. Um, for those of you who don't know, rend is to tear something into two or more pieces. I looked it up. Even though I kind of had an idea what it meant, I wanted to know specifically. So, application. How do we apply this? How do we, what do we do in our lives now that we have this information? I, for me, the thing that made me want to do is look at how I'm praying, okay? Um, do I get stuck in prayer number eight over food or... Do I get stuck in prayer 12, my before bed prayer, where I just pray that we all sleep soundly, that we're safe, that no harm or accident comes upon us, and that we'll have good dreams, good night, right? Am I, am I being purposeful in my prayers, or do I take a few moments to ponder before I pray, or do I just kind of click into autopilot, pray, and then go to bed or go on with my life? Um, these are some questions we ask our kids when we're, we're teaching them to pray, these are the things that we ask them. What are you grateful for that happened today? What do you need help with? Can you think of anyone else who might need help? Do you think, is there anything that you're really worried about? And then you can pray about those things, right? And then after we pray, do we allow, like, do we just zone out, move on with the next thing? Or do we allow for those quiet moments to exist where we can hear answers? Um, I think it was Meg... Johnson says that she prays and then reads her scriptures because scriptures are where we can find our answers, right? Prayer is how we talk to Heavenly Father. The scriptures is how he talks back. 
Um, and then do we thank Heavenly Father for our answered prayers? Like when we pray that we will sleep soundly and that we will be safe in the morning, do we pray and say thank you so much that we had a good night's rest and that we're all safe in the morning, right? Um, and then the last thing is when we get those revelations for ourselves, for our callings, for our families, do we act on it or do we resist? Um, those are the things I think are the things to ponder on. Those are the things that I'm going to try and work on this week, especially. Um, and thank you always for listening. Um, it's, it's always a good one, right? It's the Book of Mormon. It's always going to be a good read.